If you hurt yourself doing something that you loved, would you do it again? What if it was something that because you were so passionate about it that you actually ended up becoming one of the best people in the world to ever do it, and that became quite a well-paid gig, would you do it again? What if the injury was so severe that it nearly killed you and it took you almost a year to be able to walk or talk properly? Would you go back to it? Would you face the fear of getting hurt again? And even if you did go back, could you handle being nowhere near as capable as you once were? Well, that is exactly what Australian surfer Owen Wright did. In 2015, while surfing at Pipeline, Owen Wright sustained a traumatic brain injury that very nearly killed him. He was unable to walk or talk properly, and not only his life, but his surfing career hung in the balance. The story of how Owen managed to regain mobility and not only just get back in the water, but go on to win Australia's first Olympic medal in surfing in 2021, that story is one of the most inspirational comeback stories ever told. We're only just beginning to speak with appropriate gravity about brain injuries in sport. There's a renewed emphasis on safeguarding the well-being of athletes and people playing sport and minimising brain injuries in Australian athletes. The government here in Australia has actually increased funding to enhance the research and prevention of brain injuries and concussions in sport. But I'm not a researcher. You probably don't want either. So what can you and I do about it? Well, we can have grown-up conversations about these injuries and start by showing our kids that safety matters because a brain injury is lifelong and it can potentially change your life or in fact end your life. Now, even if you've never surfed or you've never had to rehab after a significant injury, I guarantee that this chat with Owen Wright is easily, it's like one of the most incredible conversations about what recovery from a traumatic injury actually looks like. Owen even very generously shares about a near-death experience which left me utterly transfixed. Now, not everyone is going to have to learn how to walk again and then go on to win an Olympic medal, all right? That's never going to happen in my life. But it is important to know that it can be done. This is a brilliant listen. I hope you enjoy listening to Owen Wright. First, though, we've got to play some ads. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's that thing that can get you out of the bed or in, pushed over that edge? At the time, I was like, oh my God, like, I'm never going to be able to do that again. I can't even walk. I took a lot out of a light at the end of the tunnel. And if you don't have a light in the tunnel, put one there. That is surfer, author and Olympic medalist Owen Wright. This is Osher Ginsberg, Better Than Yesterday. G'day, thank you so much for being here. This is Better Than Yesterday. I'm glad you're a part of the podcast. This is a podcast where there's something in every episode that will help make it better. We've been here three times a week since 2013, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Mondays and Wednesdays, I'm with a guest. Fridays, I'm here with you. I'm Washi Ginsberg. I'm a podcaster. I'm a TV host sometimes. I'm an author. I am a a person on the receiving end of a worrying message from my GP who said, hey, can you come in and, and see me about those test results? I'm going on holidays for three weeks. I'll see you afterwards. Like, could you just tell me what it is about, please? That'll be all right. <laughs> Thanks heaps. I'm going to have a really peaceful night for the next 21 nights until you come back. I'm glad you're here. And thanks so much for all emails. It's lovely to hear from you. Send us your email at gmail.com. I love to see what you're looking at when you're listening to the show. Just take a photo. You know, you've got a phone in your hand or in your pocket or in your bag or whatever. Don't do it if you're driving. But take a photo. What are you looking at? It's great. I, I love to get to know the dogs and the laundry and the whatever else is, is happening in your life when you're listening to podcasts. I mean, you know where I am. You watch YouTube. You see I'm sitting in a studio. You know what I'm doing. But it's lovely to know what you do. I should, I should add, if you are in Sydney... If you can be in Sydney uh, on the 4th of October, that's next week uh, when this is, comes out, we're doing a TV show, NTNN, NNN, the news show that I started doing in November last year and the one that we took around the country to all the comedy festivals and things. We pitched it to a network and we're shooting it. We're shooting a, just, a, just trying to prove that we can do it. Uh, I mean, it's a show. We know we can do it, but there's things like how do you get six cameras worth of 4K HD footage into an edit suite in time to turn it around to ingest it into the presentation suite by 5.30. Like there's technical challenges we have to get around before we can make it, which are fine and we'll do them. But one of those technical challenges involves an audience. So we need an audience and we'd love to, I'd love you to be there. Um, you can find the link in the show notes for those tickets. There's not many left, but it's a little like a Jetstar flight with uh, TV shows. They oversubscribe and they, you know, so just get there early. <laughs> Click on the link and plan to get there early. Today's guest is incredible, freaking incredible. Owen Wright is a part of a surfing dynasty. He's one of five siblings, three of which are champion surfers. His sister, Tyler, she's won the world championship twice. Their dad, quite famously, when they were, from when they were little, drilled them and trained them from, yeah, from quite a young age to the point I remember hearing about, I remember seeing them around 
hearing about it. I'm like, yeah, there's this guy. He makes his kids do squats. Okay. But, you know, Owen talks about it and he said he, he was grateful for it, you know, when he came to his rehab and he'll, he'll cover that. He, he writes about all of it. He's unafraid to write about it. And it's all in his book, which is extraordinary. The book's called Against the Water. And if you or anyone that you know is facing a long road of recovery from an injury or an illness, this particular episode is just so full of things that will help you not only appreciate the timelines and the challenges ahead of you or that person for what they are, I think this episode will be of incredible value to you. It was enormously valuable to me, the way that Owen spoke about how your, your body recovers from things that are really quite intense, including major surgery and stuff like that. It made me pull my finger out of my ass and find another person to start doing rehab with because I'm unreliable when I do it myself. So thanks, Owen. It's incredible. He's a glorious man, got a beautiful wife, beautiful family, and he's truly someone who's come back from the dead with lessons that we all need to hear. He is an amazing guy. And I'm stoked you get a chance to listen to this conversation with Owen Wright. Owen, I'm I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. I can't remember if we met before. I was yeah. really very adjacent to the surf industry in Australia for a while, like 2000, 2000 till about 2005. I'd have just been entering. Yeah, right. We yeah. were really heavily aligned with Billabong though, so yep. we might have only crossed paths at a comp or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, but we got to take Georgia to the North Shore yep. uh, a couple of years back and we were watching the backdoor shootout, I think. Yeah. Watching guys take off on triple overhead. It was a Volcom event. Yeah. Triple overhead. And we were sitting there with Georgia eating an acai bowl, as you do. And that feeling of when the wave breaks and hits the reef and the sand rumbles underneath yeah, the ground. Um, yeah. Underneath. And you're 50 meters from mm -hmm. the thing. Yeah. That was fresh in my mind when I was reading about what happened to you. And I was like, fucking hell, man. It was so that rumble, mate. <laughs> that you a are alive, yeah. b are who you are now, and yeah. can carry what happened to you with you as you talk about it is amazing, mate. Yeah, so amazing because you could have not talked about it uh, easily. Yeah, what was it that made you want to talk about it? Um, I think. Actually, didn't want to talk about it for ages, yeah. um, but I just couldn't. It just came up everywhere, and yeah. I actually had like some different like site coaches, and that helped me with it because it was just like the way I look at it is like you know Mick when with his shark accident and all that. It's like everyone thinks about Mick Fanning and, and shark and whatnot, and it's like for me, it was just like I came back to surfing and and I I did well again after like being so bad. So it was like everyone was talking about, oh, how how bad was that? And whilst I was trying to be good. So yeah. I don't think I ever get used to talking about it. But it's it's um the the reason behind like that I started to speak up or the reason behind the book was that my inbox in my Instagram and the rest of it was just flooded with yeah people's comments of like people that have been through things way worse than me or people that like just wanted to to share in the in the the experience that I mm. like got to have which was 
a beautiful one, like to be able to like get to the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Like I felt like I really got to touch it. Not the other light that you <laughs> nearly touched, which yeah. fucking blew my mind when you wrote about I that. I know, right? So it's like that light and then, then <laughs> but actually like getting to feel like I get to achieve and yeah. those things again and just how 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 much that that meant to people sitting at home on the couch or being yeah. in similar places to that. And people who were, I can only speak from my own experiences <clears throat> when I started talking about what was going on with me, mm. um, it was not only people that had been through it, but it was brothers, sisters, husbands, wives, mothers and fathers yeah. who had family members that had been going through something like that. Yep. They went, ah, oh, that's mm -hmm. the thing that they talked about, but they weren't able to, you know, speak about it in that particular, ah, oh, right, and it helps them understand the yep. person they love more. Yeah. And that's a great gift. Yeah. That's a great gift as well. And the gift you've given, the gift you've given by sharing a story of the, the reality is that it's not a straight, that no recovery is a straight line. Yeah. That Hans Rosling wrote a book called Factfulness, which I just fucking love. And he yeah. always says, beware of straight lines on graphs. They're all lies. <laughs> you know, that, that, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because my neurologist drew my recovery. Yeah. And he literally started a one in the page and just went absolutely crazy on this piece of paper. And then right there, very end, he just went, Doop. He said, that's the NB recovery. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, And I t I'd resonated with it then, but then, like, it could not have prepared me for the craziness that was to come, you know, all around us life-wise. It's, um, yeah. It really is, like, you know, the reason behind the book is really is, like, take a look behind the scenes mm. of the, the, the wildness and then, you know, a lot of people can just see all these great results. Yeah. But it was just um, mayhem behind there. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, it, we are... Uh, we experience time in a Western culture. We experience time in a linear way. Yeah. This happened and then that happened after that. And then because of those two things, this happened. Ta-da, yeah. I go to bed. Yeah. But particularly with recovery from an injury or uh, after a relationship, you yeah. know, any kind of recovery from somewhere where you wanted to be to now you're not where you were there and you want to get back, there's days when, as you described so wonderfully, when you think, I've lost every step that I had gained. I yeah. am worse than I was when I started. Yeah. Fuck this, I'm giving up. Yeah. But what you've done in your story by talking about it is just really illustrating that mm -hmm. and, you know, to the people around you who kept reminding you of this, mm. that's a part of it. Yeah. That's all a part of it. What was it like when you were dealing with those things where you felt like you'd taken 20 steps backwards? Oh, I can remember this one. I was like even 11 months after and I could barely move. I was like, what is going on? Like, why can't I move? Like, and I knew that the world tour event was like three months away. And I was like, I don't even know if this is, this is not right. Like just, it just felt like the world was crumbling around me. And I was like, okay, let me just try and walk to the end of the road again. And then my heart rate will be at a hundred and whatever, like 150 or something like just yeah. craziness. And I was just like, all right, let's just keep track of it. And um, I just kept having to put that like one one day at a time because those setbacks were just so big. Um, yeah. and, and But it, in it, it was like all and overwhelming, but I had such good people around me that um, I was able to kind of go into those places and be safe enough to, to just put one foot in front of the other, you know, and, and not have to 
think about the, the bigger picture when I couldn't, could, was mm. just struggling. One of the things that really, um, I really resonated with a lot mm. is it takes a particular kind of mindset mm-hmm. to be able to succeed in the career that you chose. Like the skill set around surfing, paddle position, you know, patience, all the P's, you know, yeah. performance, preparation, such and such. Yet the person who's the one that's going to get up earlier, the person that's going to go when it's five degrees colder, the mm-hmm. person that's going to drive just a little further around the corner to see the next point, the person that's going to put this on hold so they can go on that trip to get this photo, to get da 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 Like that stuff you can't teach. That mm-hmm. stuff can is, is a drive from within and only the people that make those upper echelons of the professional grade mm-hmm. have that. They all have it to a varying degree. Mm. But what I got out of your book when I read it was like, oh, this thing that drove you relentlessly to get the success that you had mm. started to fuck with you when you got told, dude, seriously don't move. In fact, don't get on a plane. Like <laughs> you cannot get on a plane. Yeah. This, you're going to die and mm. you can't do it. And this thing inside you that had been driving you for so long yeah. was Went turbo. That would have been hot. <laughs> what was it like to grapple with that? Um, I mean, I think I'm still grappling with it. You know, I, I go that into early in the book is like my my old man was so driven and like that that point about get up earlier, do that, everything that's slightly more uncomfortable, do it more uncomfortable than the next bloke, you know, and it was like 4.30 a.m. training sessions or 4 o'clock or is it cold? Okay, we're training without a shirt on today and you've got to warm up. Like, and it's, you know, freezing cold. So those challenges were from young, right, from real young. And then the accident happened and it was like I'd had this, like, experience that, like, was completely freaky. Like, I was just like, I, I'm so scared that I just need to, like, get out of this place. Although being dangerous because, like, I was so driven to just keep moving, um, I, I do think it's the one thing that got me out of that place. Like, it was a yeah. re- really, um, I think if I just, like, stopped, uh, I, I don't know, it's hard to look back, but I th- I feel there's this part of me, if I just sat down on the couch and just, like, not got up, I'd still be on that couch. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have regained the life that I got to live after that. And, or the joys that I got to feel, I would have just stopped. There's no way. So that it's, it's almost like a, a, a curse, but also this blessing that, that that got me out of there. Mate, I I couldn't relate more. Like I, I've got obsessive compulsive disorder. I've got ADHD. Like <laughs> yeah. being able to refocus the thing that nearly, very nearly killed me dead. Being able to yeah. refocus that thing on getting better meant that I was willing to, particularly when it came to things like exposure therapy and stuff like that. I was. Mm-hmm willing to do this stuff. It was just so extraordinarily uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. so painful and so terrifying, but I didn't know any other way to be. I was like, okay, so I'm going to use this thing that my brain does anyway. I'm going to put it in the direction of getting better. Yeah. I I guess I I was talking about like when you were being told by your family, by the best brain doctors that were in Hawaii, you really can't go anywhere. You're going to you know, yeah. those first couple of days, first couple of weeks, when you ended up back at the Rip Curl house and you've got people carrying you to the shower and they're like, you should really be in a rehab facility, but it's America. So they're like, but if you don't want to go, you don't have to. Freedom. See you, Mike. You know? <laughs> freedom. Okay. How good. Yeah, I do look back at that stage and I go, who gave me that freedom? Like, <laughs> obviously me. Like, it was just yeah, like, right. get me out of here. But you can't even move, dude. Like, what, what do you do? But that was... That was their headspace, man. Yeah. It was just like you 
couldn't tell me anything different. Everybody was telling me, yeah. like, that you're in a really bad way. I ended up back in hospital because I was in a really bad way, like terrible. Like they're putting me outside in a chair and I'd just start like convulsing and just going out again. Um, and that was happening. And then obviously it happened to a point where it was so bad that I ended up back in hospital. Um, yeah, you talk about that moment in the, in the book and I got in trouble Last night, I was reading your book mm. and Georgia and Audrey were watching a show and I'm in the corner reading a book and I was like, fuck, shush, sorry, sorry, <gasps> jail. <laughs> I just kept explaining. Yeah. You, you talk about this moment where you've, you kind of faded away from not reality as such, but you faded away from from life this and the place, people yeah. around you. Mm. Your now wife was had been with someone when they had passed away, mm. and recognised. Oh, I've seen this before. Yeah, like, yeah, unbelievable. What is that? You know, and you you speak about it so clearly. Like, yeah. what do you what do you think about it? Like, what happened? What do you see? What was it like? I mean, I've only ever had the conversation with a few people, right? But it's like I lived it yesterday. Like, it's it's wow. right there, you know? And I, it was the most vivid, colourful, like, um, freeing. It's, it's like the world doesn't exist too far beyond this, but it's just like right there. And I just call it, I just went to the other, the other side. Wow. You know? And I, I was in such a bad way physically that like some part of me had like tapped out. Yeah, wow. And yeah, off I was f- f- flying through the cosmos, man. <laughs> and it was just wild. Um, yeah. I had a few people with me and you, you, don't, you don't actually, we were, we were talking but you don't actually speak. You just, it's all like just understood, you know. Wow. Yeah. And, but I had a choice to come back. Yeah. Oh, you felt there was a choice point. One hundred percent. I went. Re- I went a long way, and then there was um, there was this moment where it wasn't words, but it was like, "What do you want to do?" And I just kind of looked, like looked back in a sense, and it was like m- the people that are with you here were still with me there, like their feeling and their presence and whatnot, um, and I just. When uh, I'm going back, and just <laughs> yeah, and then that was that was my experience. What I call the other side, yeah. and then it was it, it's such a weird thing to talk about, but it's just given me a whole different perspective on like that. I guess that side of things. Well, yeah, yeah. you know my I, there's there's an explanation for it. I don't know what it is. But yeah. I'm, I have no doubt that it happens. Yeah. You write about this, you know, you write about near-death near death experiences. And yeah. my my mum had, had one. She's she's passed away now, but yeah. my mum had one. I remember as we were getting close, uh, she died of like really, you know, pretty decent cancer. And she, she was a doctor. She knew it was coming, you know. Right. So she's like, she diagnosed herself. <laughs> Doctors oh. are the worst patients, dude. They're the worst. Yeah. So we were talking about it and she goes, oh, look, I've been there before. I'm not afraid of it. It's okay. When she was really little after the oh, war, right. when she was in a refugee camp. Yeah, right. And she goes, she had the same thing, very similar to what you described. Yeah. She goes, it's okay. You know, it's comfortable. Mm. It's nice. I'll be okay. It, and that was amazing to hear. Gives me chills hearing yeah. about that. But, yeah, I, I was nervous to look into it afterwards too. Like I didn't really want to like, 
explore that side because it was yeah. like, well, that was so damn real. Like, and I, and I was so focused on like trying to not like trying to stay here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, it took me a little while to kind of just like really get that out and, Fair enough, and start so. looking into it a bit. And then I was like, oh, that's a lot of people have that same. Same experience. It's a lot to process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was already processing a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how does it make you think about, how does that change the way you go about things? The go way, you know, go about, you know, the way you raise your kids, the way you're in a relationship, the way you're with people when you're with people. Well, I guess when I was there, I had a message and the message was that you're going to be all right. And I could tell you, I pretty much curse those words because I was not all right for so long afterwards. But like, if my look at my life, it, it went okay. Like I, I'd made it out of there and, and it wasn't like it was wrong. But that message changed my, my, um, my, the way I went about things Yeah, because I, I thought I was going to be great, but it wasn't great. And, and I was a bit disgruntled, like, oh man, like this is, this is not, great like yeah. you're not you're not okay like this is this is just a lot harder than i thought and but coming back was a lot harder than i thought so that kind of changed that sense but like once i kind of made made it through that i do feel a bit of um i don't know it's like a bit of just a bit of a com- confidence type feeling you know for for the future like i don't feel feel like that sort like that, that other side, I actually just don't feel like the other side's too far, like, you know, yeah. from us here yeah. now. Like I don't, it's not like, oh, no, one day that's going to happen. It's like, oh, it's right there, you know. Yeah. The yeah. I, the idea, I mean, you know, to get too deep, but no, that's what we do here sometimes. Um, you know, the, the denial of death or the solution for the death problem mm. is, is, you know, it's a lot of what, our culture's built on, you know, mm. you don't like feeling old, buy this new car, you know, <laughs> you don't like feeling, oh, yeah, get these new clothes, it'll make you feel, you know, yeah. the whole, how far away can we keep death? How far away can we keep, how much money will we spend getting away from it? But it's, there's no, yeah. there's, there's no cheat code. Every single one of us is going to die. Yeah. Every one of us, nobody gets out of this. Yeah. And that also makes it beautiful and being an acceptance of it, I used to be terrified of it. Yeah. Being an acceptance of it, changes the way I go about a lot of things. Yeah. For me, the best way I can explain it is that it's just not that far away. Yeah. Like it's it's right there. Like and and in one way it's kind of like the people that I've lost and people things like that and I feel like they're right there as well. Like I don't feel like that's too far. Mm. So it's like not as much separation between that like oh no like I, I want to prolong my life as long as I can or this or that. It's 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 all like closer together. Wow. Yeah. That Keita was with you, that you had someone to advocate for you for mm. a lot of those few weeks and months. Mm-hmm. What role did that play in you having the outcomes that you did? Things happened in a way for me that was, I can't explain it. Like I was so lucky, you know, I, I had Keita there. I had my sister Tyler. My whole family f- flew across. But like Keita being right there, like washed cleaned, like just took on this role of like support and carer and just like, yeah, just being there for someone at, at like for everything, 
at such a young age and we were um, both, both of us, young, man. Both of us so don't, young. Don't make it out like you were like, yeah. it, it, it didn't, you didn't pass no. half your age plus seven. You well and truly did. Like no. you, <laughs> yeah, both of us so young yeah. and it was just kind of like, uh, yeah, just so lucky for me because I like m- recovering. I don't know how that would have looked if I didn't have all that support. Um, yeah. You know, just from like getting out of the hospital, like I couldn't get myself out of the hospital. <laughs> so yeah. You know, like uh, to get out of there, I had to get home to to do whatever I needed to do. Um, I needed the help. Yeah, and to be able to be there for her then, like when you know she was there for you when you're at you know, you're, you're most vulnerable. And I was I was thinking about as you're writing about you know the birth of your kids. Yeah, what was it like for you to be there for her in those moments? I mean, yeah, just like birth of your kids is incredible. Like, and and being there for her, well, you know, trying to return this favor to her that, like, I just, I feel still forever in her debt, you know, for what she did for us. Being there for her with with one kid, with two kids, you know, even now with her career back up and going and things like that, it's like. I just have this like burning passion to like try and do everything I can to like su- play support because yeah. um, I, the support that I got was unbelievable. But, but you know that's what a what a wonderful thing. It's not like there's a bank balance somewhere. It's not no. like there's a ledger. It's just an internal thing that I'm just like that. I've got to do that. But doesn't it feel great yeah. to do it? Though? Oh, it feels great. I love it. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it's yeah. like one of my passions. Like yeah, like it's like it's not oh she this because of that, but it's like an internal like. I just, it's a passion that I, yeah. Uh, yeah. When you were recovering, meditation played a role in getting you, you know, I guess getting you through some of the trickiest bits. Can mm-hmm. you talk a bit about how that works? Yeah. So I've actually been meditating for a while. I got taught by Matt Griggs, who's been on, yeah, he's been, been on here. Um, and I love the, the practice that he did, which was like short, but then journaling afterwards. Yeah. And that process, like I, I, would, I was doing that twice a day, every day prior to the accident. And then so the accident happened and there was like people like, oh, meditation's good. And and so I just was doing that a lot of the times and journaling and a little nervous to go back and read some of those notes, but <laughs> I have read them. But yeah, they kind of go around in circles, to be honest. But that it played a real big role because I got to keep a track of like what my morning was, my afternoon, trying to connect with like what was going on internally um, and like calming down my brain, which would have been going pretty insane at the time. Was it working? Was it great? I don't know. But one thing's for sure, it was like something that I did morning and night just yeah. had to do. What yeah. was it like having that skill set of being able to observe the thoughts rather than be the thoughts? And some of those thoughts would have been pretty dark considering the kind of trajectory that we were describing earlier. Yeah. A lot of them were just so intense internally. So like, like you know, calming your brain down and then like kind of dropping into your heart and like in here was just this like fireball of like, and you'd kind of be like, like kind of shaking it sometimes yeah. um, but I guess that was just all the, the trauma and what it, what was going on upstairs and the rest of it um, I think that just got 
it helped me process what I was dealing with in that moment. Um, lots of frustration because I couldn't do things um, and lots of fears and whatnot. And um, I think the journaling and all that just kind of helped me get get through that time. I still do it now. Well, yeah, oh. I love it. It did help me observe, but there was just some things I couldn't help. Yeah, yeah. Like totally engulfing, right? Of course. Yeah, like meltdowns and mm. the rest of it. And that, that all happened all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but that little moment at the start of the day and at the end of the day were like part of my routine that my neurologist helped me kind of stick to and yeah. family and friends like, oh, it's, you know, have you done your meditation yet? Or like this and that. So it was kind of those things to check in and it was like my own check-in, you know, just yeah. like oh, a bit of time before things get a bit wild. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, I'm a routine guy. Yeah. Uh, very much when it comes to self-care stuff, I, I, I have two times of day, of now and not now. That's mm-hmm. it. So if I make things habitual, then I know that, that kind of happen. And so yeah. I try to systemize that kind of stuff. Yeah. Can you talk a bit about how having a regular routine helped when you had so many unknowns and so many mm-hmm. variables? Mm-hmm. What was the role of having a routine in your recovery? Well, I guess having what ha- happened to my brain, and a lot of people probably have something, been through something similar or have something similar to this, is that experience gave me a really great appreciation for routine. Like it's mundane as people say it is and it's not freeing and, you know, do things that drop out. Our brains really do hate for freedom as much as what we, you know, like it, it sounds bad to say, but they... <laughs> But it, it's anxiety. It's unknown. It's like all these things that that's are it, like that's it. they don't the uncertainty or uncertainty yeah. and and yeah they're good good at times. But like your brain really does function with a lot of ease when you can get up in the morning and your brain knows that I am going to do this for five minutes. I'm going to journal for this and then I'm going to go for a walk and then I'm come back and I'm going to eat this food and and like and it's just the same same thing and it really can calm your brain down and because it's like in a pattern. Um, So routine played a big part in my recovery. And, and, and that was one thing that the neurologist passed on to me was like, get a good routine, set it as soon as you get up and then watch the rest of the day go to shit (laughs) because that's what was happening. But, but every day that I set that routine, and then I set it again the next day. It's all right. I'm going to set it again the next day. It could be crying and everything. Yeah. Where am I? What's going on? By the afternoon, the next morning, set the same routine and the same routine um, for days and days on end. And eventually, I just stayed in a better, a better headspace for a bit longer, day by day. And those little, those little bits start to join together. It's 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 like the little bits that you do for that, that hour or that first set, then all of a sudden you might be good for an hour after that and then it might be two hours and then all of a sudden you might have had two days in a row that you haven't had a meltdown and then all of a sudden, like maybe for me, it was like a year later, oh, I just had a good week. Wow, yeah. You know, like that, that was all right. Wow. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, this I had it so short, you know, like a couple hours good and then set that routine and you got a couple of good hours and then you kind of lost but just growing that 
each day. Like yeah. how long can you stay like just with it a little bit better? Um, and, and that routine helped that. Having that focus that we were talking about earlier, that that same bit of you, that same bit of you, Owen, that um, got got pulled out of the surf in, in Spain with a busty drum, blood everywhere, completely fucked shoulder, showing up the next day going, no, what do you mean? I'm good to go. I'm good to go. Fuck it, my hernia it. Just don't worry about it. It's my next fine. Don't worry, I'm fine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> lift your head up. I can't lift it up. Just can we go now? <laughs> <laughs> I made the heat. I've got to go. Yeah. Like yeah. that same drive. Yeah. So Wolf and I were watching Cloudbreak this morning, watching yeah. this, your incredible heat at Cloudbreak. Yeah. It's waves are as big as my like gigantic waves, huge reef, whatever. Yeah. Like terrifying. I've sat in the channel at Chopu. Like mm -hmm. it's a death trap, a terrifying wave. Mm. Um, the challenge of I'm going to get from now to 10.35 this morning mm -hmm. and everything's going to be all right. Yeah. What was that challenge like versus the kind of thing you'd kind of built up to your whole life from the age of five to, mm -hmm. yeah, sure, I'll paddle into this, you know, 20-foot wall of death that's breaking over a metre of razor-sharp reef. Fine. Like, what was that challenge like? Dude, it was so tough. Like, I'm, I'm saying here, I'm talking like as if I'd got to achieve that every right. day. But it was like some days, man, there's a there's a truck on top of me. I'd been like up all night, no sleep, nothing. And it's just like just not any part of brain thought that could get to routine. But it was just getting into it. And then it, it things got better once just if you made a start. Wow. It was like this thing, like all the stuff could be so wrong. And just as I'd get into it, it would be like, Oh, like just a tiny little bit of light come in, you know, and sort of like all the rest of the the darkness that you're feeling um, or the frustration and the lost feeling. Um, it would just be this little bit of light. I'm like, oh, there it is, it's something I know. And it would just slowly clog over and like click over and I'd be like, ah, oh, and I'd just be kind of in a nice little track. So even though it was a part of you that was like, oh, I don't want to try it, I don't want to do it today, yeah. part of you knew, just just start? Yeah. Well, I didn't know what that was, but some part of me would drag myself to it, right? right? Like, like, just do it. Like, I just, I was horrible, like, <laughs> as bad as it gets, right? But I just, I think I just had so much in my life leading up to that, yeah. that, like, just making a start, like the amount of times I got out of bed as a teenager and as a you know, young kid to up at four o'clock in the morning or four thirty, it's freezing cold, and you know running the streets and doing you know doing these things, low squats with your arms up in the air for twenty minutes, like those things you never want to do. Like every day doing that, I would do that every day for training with my dad, like for mental training. And it was like, that's what like getting into this routine in that head injury was like, just, just, just to meditate or just to start was like yeah. pushing over that edge. And I think that that's something that I just innately had already experienced, just, just push over yeah. and, and pushing over. I think that's what made all the difference in that recovery. It's cause like, just drag yourself there, kicking and screaming really. That's also what the neurologist said. So when he was breaking this recovery down to me, I was like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I just to get 
it's not going to get better until it, it, it kind of feels uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. And that's where the growth happens. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not – he explained it to me like, okay, if you want to go to the gym and you want to grow your muscle, you have to tear that muscle before it gets any big, bigger. And I was like, oh, my God, I've got such a long road. <laughs> so that's that, – that just kind of – Yeah. It's like my, my pre-life and had like set me up to really – grasp what I needed. It's extra- extraordinary. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't know if like if some had, if someone else had had this kind of level of injury, their ability to c- recover, not having ever known what it is to, I know this discomfort, this is pushing myself to the yeah. point where it's so uncomfortable, but I know this is where the growth happens. If you'd never yeah. done that before, you'd never, you'd never get off the couch. Yeah. I mean, I look back at my childhood in, in like such a beautiful way like so thankful for it because it really, reads pretty full-on bro but it reads like it reads yeah. pretty intense uh, right and, but and and it's so funny everyone's opinion of it right because it's yeah there were moments that i was doing these squats where i'd be crying and things like that but like i, I look back and like that got me everything i got today you know that yeah. got me out of the the darkest place or the you know most injured place i could ever having that yeah that experience, but like writing about it, when I was writing that, I was like, wow, like that, it's, it is a little bit messed up. But, <laughs> but, but it also gave me so much, it, it gave me so much later. Like life will throw you things that you're not ready for or like tests that you, you might be ready for. And, and, and I, that's kind of the way I look at it is that, that, that upbringing really did like give me a shot at making out of that. Yeah. And, uh, but also the neurologist echoed this, man. He literally said like, hey, like if you sit down, it's not happening. Yeah. Like you got to regain your life. And it was like, there's no one else can do it. Yeah. So he, it was like, all right, my dad's taught me this before. <laughs> all right, neurologist is telling me this. <laughs> to, to make it really, fantastic. you only really get one chance in life to make a surf movie pun like this. It's all about momentum. <laughs> There you go. Momentum, yeah. It really is. Yeah. Just a moment away from Owen Wright to say, if this podcast does bring you value, please consider sharing it with someone. That's the the best way that you can help us out here. I mean, sure, you could buy the things that are on the ads that I do, or you could get on the Patreon, which still exists, or, you know, you could just click the three buttons in the corner or the arrow or the paper plane or the three hamburgers whatever it is there's some share button an arrow a curvy arrow and share this with someone that you know would probably get some value out of it that's the best way you go just tell somebody tell your uber driver tell someone you go to uni with tell somebody tell your kids doesn't matter just tell someone about this show and that would really 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 help us here at the show you can always email me as well send us your email at gmail.com that's where you can find me we're back in a moment with the incredible owen wright Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Before the accident, before Mm -hmm. you took 18 swimming pools, Olympic swimming pools worth of water on your head. Is that the number? 18? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was a lot. Yeah. You wrote, you're the number, I forget. Yeah. But it's a colossal amount of, it's a huge amount of water. People have this idea, oh, water, it's this stuff in the glass. Yeah. It's fine. Mm. Water is a very runny solid. And yeah. depending on how fast you hit it or it hits you, yeah. just look at someone getting hit by a riot hose. Yeah. That's the same stuff that's in this glass. That's it. You know? Yeah. And you took like, what, 18 Olympic swimming pools worth of water right on the head. Well, you felt it sitting on the beach pipe. Mate. It shakes the ground. It shakes the ground. 50 metres away, the sand shakes. Yeah. I stay in a house just past that sand. Yeah. The house shakes. Yeah. 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 And you were in that level of of, of force compression. Mm. Uh what did you know about head injuries before that? I mean, we all, you know, league, AFL, you know, boxing. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to get my hair cut by an ex-boxer and um, he talked slow. Yeah. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> he talked slow. Yeah. His hands still move fast, but he yeah. talks slow. Yeah. It's a part of this sport that we love. Yeah. And uh, we define ourselves by, mm-hmm. you know. What did you know about head injuries before this happened to you? Honestly, nothing. Wow. Yeah, this the head injury. It, like the guy was like, "Oh, I've, like have you experienced um, a concussion before?" Nah, never, never. Any of like times where you like lose consciousness? Oh, yeah. Actually, I was knocked out there. Is I guess that was a concussion. And I was like, "Oh, that time I was knocked out unconscious at Tahiti. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I had a car accident." Oh, yeah, I've knocked out that comp. Oh, yeah, I was knocked out. And I just was like, oh, "Oh, my God. Like, and it just started like this light bulb's just going off everywhere. And I was like, how many of these have I had? Mm. And and then I was going back through my thing. I was like, I went through a pretty bad time after that one. I didn't know what was wrong with me. Um, And so going through my whole career not, ever being diagnosed with a concussion or told I'd have. That was even mentioned. It was not even mentioned, not even a thing. Like, Were you sent in the HIA? Did you get sent off to the sidelines? Was the Well, no, there's not, it was not a thing, man. It's like you go for a free surf, oh, you just got a really bad wipeout, you can't see, you're super dizzy. Like <laughs> that was so common that you'd just kind of be like, oh, man, I'm, I'm vomiting out here. Oh, I just got so wiped out, man. I'm just like. Oh, can't do oh, I just got to wait till this passes. Oh, yeah, I'll come good. Sweet. Let's catch another one. Like that was just like there's no thought of like, hey, man, you've just had a concussion. Um, that's one thing this head injury I think has changed for my sport and for especially in Australia is like 
the kids now, if they go down and they see stars, they treat it like an, an ankle sprain. Like, oh, wait, I've got to do, you know, a couple of weeks of rehab on that. You're yeah, right. You know, like instead of for us, like <laughs> being completely unconscious and not even knowing like, oh, I just wiped out, but how did I get back to here? I don't know how I'm here. What am I doing here? And then like, I'm on a jet ski. How did I get here? Wow. Oh. Let's, all right, let's go for the next one. <laughs> yeah, so di- di- different, different time is now it's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's you know, kids are going to be a lot healthier. <laughs> yeah. The cumulative effect of head injuries and head trauma, we're only just starting to kind of really mm-hmm. understand because some of these things you can't really examine until and a post-mortem analysis, mm-hmm. uh, but we're starting to see them more and more, you know, from the States, the NFL players and a bit here. Mm-hmm. What about the emotional effects that people may not understand that come as a result of head, head trauma and, and, you know, traumatic brain injury? Lots of emotion. Yeah. But yeah, in, in every direction. Yeah, yeah, like you've got depression, anxiety, panic attacks. You can have, um, oh, this... A huge range, man. Um, that flat feeling. I, I, I don't know. De- Depression is just such. It's just one word of so many different. Yes. Like so many different emotions yeah. to do with like just down. You know, like there's down, yeah. and then there's like you know so yeah. many other places. Many levels. There's many levels. Yeah. Though. There's levels. Yeah. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I in in my that's why I'm like, oh, well, depression, anxiety, but that is just so that scale. Man, yeah. flipping back and forth. I think that's that being told that, hey, you've got a concussion and like, hey, that's part of it. You're going to flip back and forth for a while. Mm. Like you, you can you can almost like start to like look at yourself differently. Like, oh, like that's not real, that emotion. Or like it's real, but it's like don't you don't need to like. It's hard to get in there though. It's yeah. hard to not react, isn't yeah, it? it's like, okay, yeah, you're going to be like chasing lures and you're going to like, yeah. you know, really unsettled, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That was something, that's definitely something that I, I think that these head injuries, the emotional side of it is massive, but it's, I don't know, physically it's, it's big too, you know? Yeah. Like, Hearing you describe, reading about you describe, you just, this peak athlete in the, you know, you've spent your entire life conditioning and becoming the most like astounding reaction, balance, reading mm-hmm. a wave, like everything, your ability to coordinate your body, your balance. Was, you're not a small person. Your center of gravity is quite high. You've yeah. got to be really good at this. Like yeah. you look at guys like, okay, that's shorter than me. Slade is shorter than me. Yeah. Like you've got to be far more careful on, on the board. And when you're describing being unable to crawl, you talk about- yeah. Someone filmed you doing a like a, a drill with some cones. Yeah. What, uh, what what did that footage look like? They didn't show you the footage at the time. What did the footage look like in the end? Oh man, I I still find that hard to watch. So yeah. my wife, it's just like, oh that oh, that was training before the. I have this other footage is far back again, and it was just crawling, and um, it's, I'll never put it out, but it's because it's, it's really gnarly. Like I just forget how to crawl and then I forget my own name and who I am, where I am, what like, and, and I just absolutely melt down. Like just have, and just the fear, the level of fear, I can, I've watched it and felt it. The level of fear in my face when like it's the, that level of complexity just scrambled everything that was going on. 
it, yeah, it was insane. But then later on when I was training back to get to the World Tour event, my coach was putting me through these drills, like this is just, and Chris Hinington actually um, was putting me through these drills and and ex ex leaguey ex leaguey knows about a head hit yeah yeah knows about a head hit and and he was looking at the coach and just going this guy's supposed to what was it were you doing a shuttle run or something like that there was four cones and it was like hey red cone could touch red cone yellow cone right. touch red cone and I was just like not touching the cone but in your head you're like nailing this. I thought I was like freaking like, yes. And they were all like, high five, good work, man. And I was like, the footage, I didn't touch a single cone. I didn't even get close to a cone. I was moving so slow and like I couldn't, I couldn't like get down to get the cone and back up and all the rest of it. You could see the, the, the mental tension inside of me. And yet I was just like high five and like I just nailed it. And like that was the best I'd done. And the guys are looking at each other. They they still laugh over it now. Like we see, he still sends me it every now and then. Just like, man, this is this was you before you started Snapper Rocks, which you won, which I won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's a real credit to these guys who knew that if they had gone, dude, you haven't touched a thing. Like understanding that just you being in the process of training, you being mm -hmm. in the process of being in action. Mm -hmm. Was that was the reason? Yes, my Glenn Micro Hall man, forever grateful for that guy, man. He understood that to such a deep level um, that it's about me regaining my life, not about me touching that cone. It's about me trying, and he high fived me at every moment. Never said a single thing. Like reality, a coach probably could have said, "Hey, man." You didn't touch a single cone and mm. probably would have melted me down or whatever. But it was, he just understood that it's like, it's movement, it's process, it's regaining function, it's regaining life. And, and we, we, and that, that import was so important, you know, throughout that whole journey. Like there was other moments whilst I was back on tour and it was just like, mate, you might not have any idea what's going on around, but you can sure as hell surf. <laughs> and, like, and, I, and I found a little a pace of, you know, place of peace in that as well. You've got two kids, eh? You've watched, you've watched mm -hmm. two kids. Uh, well, the youngest is two now? Two and a half. Two and a half, right. Yeah. So you've now watched two kids take probably, depending on come or go, anywhere between 12 and 18 months to learn how to walk. Mm -hmm. And yet here you are with your brain completely scrambled, mm -hmm. getting upset at yourself because you can't figure it out straight away. <laughs> like if you're starting from zero, like that's the metric. It takes 18 months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was it like watching your kids learn how to walk? Well, it was it's it was interesting because out of that experience for me, I learned this ex these exercises that were called DNS and um, dynamic neuromuscular stabilization, and it's all the brain patterns that were born with as a young child. Oh, yeah, I've seen the poster on the wall of my guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah have yeah. you seen that poster? Yeah, it's, I have. It's, it's amazing. A, it's around everywhere now. It's and amazing. So, I was doing those same exercises, like already back back surfing and whatever, like my son was born at this stage. But I was doing those same exercises, those same patterns of rolling over, getting up, and I was finding it giving my brain ease doing the bigger movements, like just clicking back into because that's the theory of it, right, is to get back that shoulder movement and hip movement to its most purest form, like without load and whatnot. And, and that was actually giving my brain a bit of a, 
you know, maybe a five percent. I don't know what it was, but it was yeah. it was really helping. I was doing that with with my son, which is like, cool. which was so rad. Like, yeah. And we got this all this footage of my wife. What do I say? Oh, that user doing your like six month pose and your yeah, you know, all those That's things. So cool. Yeah, yeah. That's so, so fascinating, isn't it? It was a rad. It was a rad time, and yeah. it was a beautiful time because I wasn't able to free surf or anything like that. So I was spending so much time with him and just kind of yeah, you know, laying around and just trying to recover from heats. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. The, the amount of effort that it would take to compete and then to come back around again would mm-hmm. have been astounding, considering what else you were trying to deal with yeah. uh, at the time and the focus you needed to kind of kind of put into not only maintaining your health but your relationship, you know, because yeah. I'm sure it wears thin. After, look, I'm really – you can wipe your own bum today, Alan. <laughs> like at some point, let's get it with you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like there's all those moments in, amongst it all. Um, but for Keita and I, it's just like we look at that and go, how the hell did we make it through that? Like, yeah, which is – yeah, like you say, amazing. We're we're really happy to have made it through. Yeah. <laughs> well, what you've learned and who you both have become because yeah. of this mm-hmm. uh, is is amazing. Um, what the guy that I was watching this morning on the video with Wolf, you know, pulling into this gigantic, like as big as a subway tube barrel in Fiji. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've no, I've no, the it's crazy death to frightening to be that guy, and then rolling around on the floor with a toddler, going, "We're gonna." Figure this out together. Like, yeah. what did you learn about humility through this? Mm, yeah. Um, I I had to get good with um, just not being able to. It was really hard. As a competitor, it felt like this weakness, um, but it drove me to different strengths, right? Like it drove me to tactics. It drove me to... I guess I did get told something. It was like, let's not look at what you can't do. Let's look at what you can do. And because I was needing to do and get into a process, I started to do the things I could do. I could roll around with my son on the floor. I could practice these small exercises. I couldn't surf the way I wanted to surf. I couldn't surf as much as I wanted to surf. I couldn't practice. I couldn't lift weights. I couldn't be that robust person that was charging into those big waves. As much as I tried, it would just always backfire the humility was it was definitely embarrassing at times because it, it was just like oh, i'm supposed to be this pro surfer and i like i just wait around waiting to put my rash shirt on like and that's all i could do but i just have to keep keep reminding myself that this what i could do was enough like what what you can do is enough and, and like i would watch all these guys practice men and it's still something that that sits inside of me. I just watch them practice and practice and practice. And I just have to sit there and go, it's all right. I got your number. It's all right. My, what I do is good enough. It's all right. What I do is good enough. And I was doing nothing. <laughs> but I had to have this level of like, that's all right. That's all right. You just landed a backflip. Yeah, sweet. That's all right. I'll get 30 minutes with you. <laughs> wow. You know? So, like, that's pretty hard to watch. Like, uh, I don't know, if you watch all your mates just achieving and making gains and moving ahead and you're just not able to. Um, it gave me like a level of comfort. Well, not I wasn't comfortable, but I had to like mentally reassure myself that, yeah. that I was enough. So it sounds like there's a, a mantra. Were mantras and things to come back to, were they helpful for you? 
Yeah, I, I, I guess things to come back to, but also like I was reminded it like at every moment, like oh, we're all going surfing. I'm not going surfing. Yeah. <laughs> so those mantras, it's almost like I. It's not like I was like purposely thinking them. I just had to live them. Yeah, and so I just had this. And experience. then come come contest time, what happened? Well, yeah, I was I was able to show up in ways that like even surprised myself, like because I just lived this like in a way that I was so okay that I was just making good decisions, I was picking good waves and I was I was executing. So I was like I wasn't falling. You know, like that was that was a good half of my career that I had to compete in a whole different way as my entire first half of my career. Yeah. <laughs> like it was like I had to learn a whole different skill. There's a lot of simplification around what you were up to because yeah. there was it was, a, it was prior to the accident it was very technical very you know oh yeah stuff that takes detail a, a thousand yeah. goes to get right and then now you have to figure out how to not get it wrong yeah chuck your head do this that yeah. yeah what was the simplification like what was it like now dealing with a less complex you know approach that was a battle for me yeah. um and a battle a battle that I I got to a point where I thought that I was I'm done with this simplification. I can't like I need to be the best again. I need to I need to try these big airs. I, I want to like make gains like I used to make, and um, I lost that battle again. So I was back to the simplification. But yeah. but I end up with a bronze medal. But it it it, it literally. Like I left off from Glen Micro Hall, right, and that he really understood the brain, my brain, how it worked, how I could get the best out of myself with like those mantras of like simple's okay. Like we, our first one was like mantra in a heat was like stay on your board. That's how simple it was. If you're like in the middle of a surfing competition where the yeah. eyes of the world are on you because it's the big comeback show, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, you know, that, that move, the judges scored really high in the yeah. in the waves beforehand, so I'm going to have to see if I can figure out if I can pull one off because we'll look yeah. for one of those similar waves. Da, 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 da. It doesn't get simpler in a co- professional serving contest that stay on your board. Yeah. I can stay on my board. Yeah. I'm 50 and I'm shit. <laughs> but, you know, that's amazing. The best coach and one of the best coaches in the world was advising one of the best surfers, just stay on your board. That was that was all I could take in. And that was- Talk about focus on what you can do. Yeah. Stay on your board. I could do that. I just- that was the goal. And, and everything uh, else was great. And everything else kind of flowed along. And um, years down the track, I thought, like, yeah, I've I've improved so much. I've been surfing so much longer now. Like, I want to move away from this simple game. But, like, somewhere in there, like, I just still can't take on as many things as I used to take on. And I, and I wanted to take on these things. So we, I, I moved on from the, the coach and, and I went out and it was like, it, it did backfire. Right. Like I tried all this stuff and I tried to do it all like I used to do it and it just didn't work. <laughs> and it was really humbling again. <laughs> but it was so great because it really made me so appreciative of of Glenn and, and yeah. how much he understood me and how much effort and time he put into actually taking the time to understand what a simple, simple mindset can do. And, and 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 not just doing it for me, but then I think for him, like also realizing that, hey, that can kind of work for people. It's like, extraordinarily powerful to simplify. It's yeah. very hard to do to yeah. simplify what it is that you do. Mm-hmm. It's like writing a perfect pop song. If everyone could do it, everyone would do it. People write off pop music. It's 
really hard to write a number one mm -hmm. that will make uh, a 50-year-old guy hum it yeah. and a 16-year-old girl scream for it and yeah. a five-year-old kid ask to hear it again, again, again. It's really yeah. hard. Yeah. It sounds simple. Three chords. What could be wrong? No, yeah. it's very, very hard. Yeah. It's way easy to be complicated. Yeah. What, what would you say to people about who are reluctant to simplify things? Mm. What's the value in it? It's so rewarding. You're not chasing this endless need and and unfulfilled like feeling. You're actually fulfilled a little slower, more content, more composed, and things just kind of come out a little bit easier. And and but that for an athlete or anyone who's like in that space of like, I'm gonna be the best, teaching that. Yeah. is like so hard and Glenn somehow like got that onto me not through my situation but understood yeah. it at a deep level too you know and then and then now he, he you know teaching that as well um to to athletes in that space it's quite a headspace to be in but that's definitely where they you know you hear people talk about that flow state and that, yeah it's definitely like Oh, all the when, metaphors, all yeah. the metaphors ever exist in surfing. Right. Talk about being in the yeah. moment. Talk about yeah. just, yeah. just yeah. play, surf the wave in front of you. You know, yeah. like talk about yeah. just being ready and being, you know, in the space. What have you learned about the value of, of being resilient and actively staying resilient uh, because of all that happened to you? I think there's a need for humans to test themselves. Um, Resilience is, I think, is experienced. Like, you, you, and and by ha getting that resilience, you got to be a little bit uncomfortable, right? And and you really can't get uncomfortable if you don't just push yourself that little extra. Or you know what? Like, I'm I am going to try this thing that does scare me, but. I'm, I'm going to give it a go. And if it doesn't turn out, you've, you've learned, you know, there's, you've gained, um, I think that, that resilience and the, the appreciation for like the things that I have experienced is, it's great. I think some parts I didn't need to experience in that part because they were really challenging, but, but nonetheless, like, it's not a hell of a lot here that I'm like really too scared of other than, like the whole what comes later with head injuries, you know? Right. And that, later in life. Later in life. Right. And that that's part for me with the with the resilience part is that it's like, okay, you've experienced a lot here. I think you need to get ready. There could be things later. And there's so many head knocks, you know. So that's mm. that's something that I that I think about. But then I also I guess, you know, it's like Clara Rourke talks about it with climate change. You get she's like, look, you have to do something in every aspect of life and it's overwhelming, but also it means that there's something to do everywhere. Yeah. So just start doing something. Yeah. So it does at least gives you like, well, what do I know yeah. that decreases the chances of this, you know, getting bad? Yeah. What can I work on today? Yeah. But that's, that's honestly been that appreciation for that, that time that I've spent to gain that strength is now like I, I, I I don't know, I kind of learned this from like the UFC fighters. They kind of, they get so beat up, man, but they are like body experts. They're just endless researchers on like, what can I do to like improve? 
and so that I really kind of took that out of those from those guys. It's like, yeah, like you've done this, you've got gained this resilience, you've been through this experience, and okay, now it's like now you really got to like fix it. So what's the yeah. secret sauce? Oh, and what do you what do you what are what are ways that we can keep our brains as healthy as possible going forward? Well, I I, I mean I'm kind of I'm really intrigued into like the whole blood flow, um, heart regulation, patterns. And only because I see my, I'm really close with my old man and he has dementia and I watch, I, I watch how hard he's fighting and, and it's mostly patterns that he's in, that he exists in. And I'm like, it kind of comes back to the time when I was in that head injury and I had to like set good patterns so it just kind of makes me go like, oh, this might be something to be said for actually having regular, good, close friends, really regular outings, like, you know, things that you do quite often. Because I feel like it's it's prolonged his his state. Human connection? Human connection, but all the time, you know, and like those regular inputs. Um, and And I find that like watching him is like, the, if you can put an input in, you can almost put an input in and if you just keep putting it in and hitting that input, then he will, like, remember it, whereas, like, so many other things he just loses. Right. Yeah, so I don't know. Just I think that's good inputs. That's kind of what I'm thinking, like, from, like, hot, cold, you know, different therapies, just good inputs Yeah. and just regularly. I don't know if you can hear it, but there's a toddler completely losing his mind above us right now. <laughs> that's the that's the time of the night, right? Reaching oh yeah, out. we're yeah. we're right at that. He's had a big day. Oh yeah, twenty past five. He's, he's like, on time. He's on time. He hasn't missed a beat. Right, and that's you know it's wild. As someone who's you know been through some stuff with my own head and mm-hmm. you, know, you know various things, watching him, watching the way he regulates, yeah, and. Knowing what I know now about how, you know, brains develop and prefrontal cortex develop and amygdala activations and things like that, mm-hmm. when he's tired, mm-hmm. his ability to r- regulate just actually doesn't exist. Yeah. In fact, I don't think that part of his brain even develops for a little while yet. So I can't be upset at him for, you know, mm-hmm. running out and grabbing the thing that I said, mate, we've got to leave that. It's bath time. Yeah. Because he doesn't know how to not do it. Yeah. That bit of his brain doesn't work. Yeah. And it watching him develop watching him develop has given me a bit more of an appreciation i was like oh okay all right i can't be so hard on myself because that thing's going to take a while to come back <laughs> you know it's yeah up, you know some things at least yeah it's, yeah. it's fascinating yeah it is it's it's freaking fascinating you gotta be kind on yourself hey yeah. and it sounds like you struggle with that a little bit oh for sure definitely i, I think that's the that that um double-edged sword right like i'm um, hold myself to it and at the same time it's also what's gets me yeah. gets me going so what, what would you say to people who i don't know maybe they're at the start of a recovery journey whether it be you know physical or mental recovery or mm-hmm. someone who's got someone they love who's about or who's in the middle of a, a journey like that what would you say to them i i took a lot out of a light at the end of the tunnel and if you don't have a light in the tunnel put one there that would be my only advice if and just go for it like because it really is such a hard time that you're either in or going through whatever it is it's like to not have that hope to not have that end like to that big thing that you can either achieve or goal or 
whatever it is. And and obviously there's all those little steps, but it's like, what's that thing that can get you out of the bed or in pushed over that edge? And if you don't have one there, find one because you will eventually get out of the bed if you find one. Right. Yeah. I don't know. For me, that really helped. It just kind of was like, all right, I'm going to regain my life. <laughs> that's a big, that's a big one. Yeah. A big one, but it was like, it seemed so far away. Like yeah. at the time I was like, oh my God, like, I'm never going to be able to do that again. I can't even, like, I can't walk. The, I can't walk. Like, What have you learned about the human body's ability to, to recover and heal? Time. I think hope and patience has got a long way, go a long way. I think, weirdly, I just think like, I think the mental space, even though there's like this, I had this physical thing that was wrong, I think mentally there's a lot to be said for like mindset. Like, I really do, do think that that does change yeah. health. Um, if you can, yeah, have hope really kind of aim for something. The mindset that you are on a way, you're on, even though this is hard today, in fact, I'm doing this worse than I was yesterday. Yeah. This is all a part of me getting there. Yeah. That whole experience, again, is I felt like my body was going somewhere, whether it was backwards or so, it was like moving. Right. You got to, I'm sorry that you had to go through such an experience. But the lessons that you've got are, it's very generous that you're sharing them, mate. <laughs> it really is. It's astounding. Um, thanks for coming around today, buddy. Oh, thanks for having us. And that was Owen Wright. His book is fantastic. I mean, you heard me talking to him about it. I sat down to read like three or four pages that Abby, who produced this show, uh, said, you just, you've got to read this. Read a couple of pages. It's amazing. And I ended up like, I spent like two hours unable to look away from the book because it's fucking amazing. Heavy, but incredible. The book is called Against the Water. It's harrowing, but it is inspirational. And I'm, I'm so glad Owen made it out so that he could share his story with the rest of us. Get around Owen Wright. Get around his wife, Kita. They're great human beings. And um, you know, I'm, glad they, I'm glad he made it out because that's a really important story to share. He's a good guy and I was glad to have him here. All these episodes you can find on YouTube, by the way. I should really plug that more often. There's video episodes. They're on YouTube. You can go find them. Thank you very much to Andy Ma, who does audio and video post on these shows. Abby Benno, who produced this show. Toe Hider, who made all the music. And you, thank you for listening. Send us your email at gmail.com if you need me. Thanks for being a part of it. See you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.